And uh, I'm going to continue a series that I began last Sunday morning when I told you that I would be preaching on uh, a series that I simply called Preparing for the Last Days and uh, the preparation that I felt led to, to share was getting the church ready, getting the church ready for the last days that we're living in. And I talked about how that uh, last Sunday morning, how that in the last days that the church must be focused entirely on Jesus Christ and preach Christ, preach Jesus. And today I've uh, felt led to go in the direction of preaching on that the church must have a devotion to holiness. I uh, thought that when I knew I was going to be preaching this, that I was going to be going to some familiar uh, New Testament scripture. But uh, as I was reading the Bible this week, I read this passage that uh, I want to share with you. And it's found in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and I'm going to read the first eight verses. And the Bible says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Thou shalt not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned the righteousness of judgments. And I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. I did not know, I've read the 119th Psalm I don't know how many times. And I had never, ever picked up a holiness theme like this that I, that I read this week. Uh, I was amazed at how the writer of the psalm petitioned God to help him live uprightly before him and how he was bound to keep all the laws of God, the statutes of God, the precepts of God, and that he would do his best to live right in the eyes of God. We are a holiness church, and we come out of the holiness revivals of the Great Awakening. Uh, we were holiness before we ever were Pentecostal. And uh, Pentecost is a natural progression from holiness, and, uh, but we have that holiness vein in us. And I remember, and I've said this many times here, but when Rose was a little girl growing up, and uh, she was going to school at Brick Community. And uh, I can't tell you the, the times that I would say to her uh, just by way of explanation because she never was a rebellious type girl. But I would tell her, I would say, Rose, we are a holiness church. And she said, no, we're not. I said, Rose, we are holiness. And she said, Dad, we are not. Because she had this idea of what holiness was because of stuff. And I would say to her, I would say, but Rose, we are holiness. And she would always end up saying, yeah, but we're not that kind of holiness. And I always thought that was funny because that was just something she developed in her own mind. But I tell you what we are as a holiness church, we are driven to be obedient to the word of God. 
that whatever God's word says, we don't question it, we don't back away from it, we don't reject it, we don't try to find a way around it. It means what it says and says what it means. And if we struggle, we got to find the truth that is found written in the words of God. And so the Bible very clearly, we're not given any option of whether to obey or not. Obedience is not an option. Obedience is commanded. And if we're having difficulty with what saith the word of God, the problem is not in the word, the problem is with us. Because we have to be obedient to what God said. And so we enter into this, to this time that we're living in. And I don't have to beat this. I don't have to say this a lot because I think if you have any kind of spiritual antenna up, you are well aware that we are living in a strange time. It's not only a strange time, but it's an increasingly evil time. I wrestle with that sometime because I know that the Bible, you can't get any more wicked than what you read about in the book of Genesis. I mean, very early in man's, uh, the humankind's development, we find evil, we find sin, we find uh, rebellion, we find murders, we find wars. I mean, we find it all right there, very early in our development. And so I know I'm aware of that. But I also know that our times are different in that if for nothing else, we're living in a time where uh, sin and debauchery can be shared so easily because of the technology that we have and because of the internet and because of all of these uh, modern internet channels and things that people use today. And it's right at our fingertips now. I mean, just a few generations ago, I'm 68 years old, I'm almost 69, but I know when I was a, in, in, uh, a kid growing up, we went to church in Louisville, and we let, would leave church, dad and mom and our family, we'd leave church, and we lived in Indiana. We'd drive across the bridge. And to do that, we'd have to go through right what was considered, uh, the, they used to call it the red light district. That might be, uh, you might be too young to know about that, but that was where all the, the, the sin was, if you know what I'm saying. All the stores and the shops and the bars and all that kind of stuff. And we'd go drive right through that to come home. Well, see, nowadays, cities don't need that anymore. You don't need to go to a city and find the red light district. The red light district is right on your phone now. The red light district is right on your computer now. I mean, it's so widespread and so easily accessible that it's just not an issue anymore. And so we, we bring that stuff right into our house. Well, Diane and I, and I've shared this story before, but whenever VCR, people were start, started buy, buying them. Uh, I'm really telling my age, I know, but we bought a VCR and we'd go down to rent the movies. Y'all do that. You older folks did that. And we'd rent the movies and we'd bring them in and we'd watch them. And, and uh, so I realized then how easy it was because we'd go in to the store there in Central City, Kentucky, where we live. And we would rent the movie, but they had a room with a curtain up that if you wanted those kind of movies, you could go back behind the curtain. And so then I realized that it was just that easy now. You know, we didn't have the internet then. We didn't have the computers then. I mean, they were just, people were just getting them. But we could go right behind the curtain if we wanted to and find movies like that if we wanted to and bring them right into our house and nobody would ever know the difference except God. Of course, we didn't do that, but that's how when stuff became easy. And so now we're living in this hour now, church, where now it's become so easy. 
I mean, now it is just our, our lives are just inundated with this, uh, with this darkness that just comes at us from every, every, every side. And now there's a new thing we're wrestling with. You know what that is? That is an acceptance from the world now. Now, there was a day that the world even thought this stuff was terrible, but now the world accepts it. And the world not only accepts it, but it applauds it and it promotes it. And now if you stand against it, you're a stick in the mud. You're old-fashioned. You're a hater. You, you, you despise people. But I want to tell you something, Berea Church of God, that as long as God will give me breath to breathe and a voice to preach, I'm going to declare the unsearchable riches of the Word of God, and I'm going to stand on the truth, and I'm going to declare Thus saith the word of God. I'm telling you, if there ever was a time to live holy before God, that time is now. It's time to get right with God and live right and walk right and talk right and act right. Somebody help me give God a praise offering in the house. We've got to do it. The times demand it. Because when people's lives are getting a wreck and all tore up, they're not going to find that country club church. They're not going to find that rotary club church. Not, they're not going to find that church that tickles their ears and tell them how good they're doing when they're doing terribly. They're going to look for somewhere to get some relief and get some deliverance. And Berea Church of God, aren't you glad that our God is real and that our God is able to save, heal, and deliver and set men and women free? Give God praise in the house today. Hallelujah to God. Amen. Verse 1 of the text that I read. He brought out to us how they were to live consistently by keeping the law of God. We read different kind of words, but uh, that all talk about the law of God. But he said, blessed are the undefiled in the way. One translation uses the word perfect. Blessed are the perfect. Now, I know that the apostle Paul wrote and said that we're to go on to perfection. I understand that. I know the Bible says to be ye perfect, and I understand that. But when I first got saved, I mean, I, I, I remember, I thought about that because I knew that word in that translation I was going to use in this message. And so I remembered about how that I would hear different people talk about when I was, uh, got saved and was developing my, my walk with God, about perfection and what it meant to be perfect. And in one breath, people would say, well, the Bible says to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. Nobody can be perfect. And so that just kind of messes the whole thing up, right? And then there were other people that say, well, uh, per perfect doesn't mean perfect. It means something else, okay? And so, but I was told all this stuff that really wasn't the way it was. I needed somebody to explain to me what does the Bible mean when it says that I'm to live perfectly before God. Well, in the New Testament, the word perfect means to be mature. And then here in the Hebrew, it means to be blameless, spotless, and be without blemish. And then that is impossible. But here's what made it possible. What made it possible was that in the law, remember he said, I want to keep your law. And the law said you got to offer sacrifice to God. And the high priest offered uh, uh, once a year. You had to bring sacrifices all year long. Blood was shed. Blood was spilled. Blood was, blood was poured out. And that covered our sin. 
But now you and I don't live under the law anymore. Hallelujah to God. Now you and I live under this wonderful covenant called grace because there was a cross on a hill called Calvary. And there was a Savior that was laid down on that cross and nails driven in his body. He was lifted up from the earth. And he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Well, glory be to God. I want to tell you something. Is anybody in the house glad today that there was blood shed for you and blood that washed your sin away and blood that made you holy in the eyes of Almighty God? Because I am a horribly flawed man. I'm a horribly imperfect man. I have all kind of issues that I still wrestle with after 50 years of being a Christian. But I'm grateful that I remember something. That I can be blameless in the eyes of God, not because I keep rules. And not because I do the right thing, because I don't always do. But I tell you what I have, what I have on my life, and I'm about ready to take me a shout. And, I, and if I could run, I can't run anymore, but if I could, I'd run right down this middle aisle because I want to tell you what I'm feeling this morning. I'm feeling the anointing of redemption in the house today. I'm feeling the anointing of forgiveness in the house today. I'm feeling the anointing in my life that God is able to set men and women free in the house today. Well, glory be to God. I, well, hallelujah. I'm so glad for my salvation, I cannot stand myself. The blood covers me. The blood has washed my sin away. The blood has made me holy. The blood covers my sin. Whenever God looks down on an imperfect Steve Hobbs, he don't see my imperfection. He sees the blood of his son. Somebody better help me praise him. I, I want to tell you, I thank God that the blood of Jesus Christ is still able to cover us and wash us and cleanse us so that I can stand here and say to you, I am without blemish. I said, I'm without blemish. There were women, Steve, I know you. Yeah, you, you see me, but you don't see the blood. He sees the blood. And I'm telling you, I'm without blemish. I'm telling you, I'm standing before God right now, uh, perfect in the eyes of God. I am blameless in the eyes of God. I am spotless in the eyes of God because the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me of all my unrighteousness. And, and, I, and I tell you, by the grace of Almighty God, I want to walk in the holiness of God because God has done a wonderful work in my life. And I don't want to reject what God has done. I want to embrace what God has done. I do not want to see what I can get by with. I want to see what I can run and do for the glory of God. I told my class this morning, we taught out of, I taught out of 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'm not going to go there today because of time. I got way too much to preach. But I did tell them that the apostle Paul wrote in there and said, avoid the very appearance of evil. And I want to tell you, whenever you're walking in the holiness of God, you know what you'll do? Avoid the very appearance of evil. You may be scanning. You can't help what you see when you're scanning, but you're going to avoid the very appearance of evil. I want to tell you, Bridge, Church of God, holiness folk understand that. Can I get an amen? I know I've said this, and I know I've said it now three times. I'm going to quit saying that, but I'm just letting you know that I remember I said this. Uh, but when I was a kid, we went to church in downtown Louisville. Our church was on the corner of Jefferson Street and Brook Street. And right across the street were, were the Clarksdale Projects. And it wasn't like the ghetto, but it wasn't a good part of town either. But that's where our church was. And that's where mom and dad met. That's where mom and dad got married. That's where mom and dad raised their kids. 
and on the other side of the block, the city block, right on the other side was one of those theaters that I was talking about earlier. And we kids would get to church, mom and dad would get to church sometime 30 minutes early. And it was inner city and we'd have to park on the street, but we, if we had time, we liked to get our buddies and walk around the block. And my mom wouldn't let us do that for a long time. She eventually did, but she, uh, her and dad said no. And I remember, why can't we walk around the block? It was a different time back then. It was safer to do that. And I said, why can't we walk around the block? We got 30 minutes before church starts. Why can't we walk around the block? And you know, they wouldn't let us walk around the block because of the movie house that was on the other side. Now, we weren't going to go into the movies, but they didn't want us to see what was being advertised because they understood you've got to avoid the things that appear to be evil. When you're looking online, when you're watching television, when you're reading a book, whatever it might be, and that the Holy Ghost says to you, stay away from this, we got to learn to stay away from it. I know people make fun of holiness folk, and I know that people think sometimes we're nuts and crazy, and I know sometimes they think we go too far, but I want to tell you, you cannot go too far when it comes to pleasing your heavenly Father. I'm telling you, it's time to walk in the holiness and the righteousness of God because souls are depending on Avoid it. When he said to walk, that means you're moving. You're moving forward. The psalmist said another place in Psalm 128.1, said, blessed is everyone that fears the Lord, that walks in his way. Paul said this to the Galatians. He said, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He then talked about how we had to walk wholeheartedly before God in verse 2. The Apostle Paul said it like this to the Thessalonians. He said, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, W-H-O-L-O-Y, completely. And then Paul said, I pray that your whole spirit, I wish you get this, your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are four things mentioned in that one verse. When Paul said, I pray that God will sanctify you completely, wholly, that God will sanctify all of us, the totality of us. We have gotten into this thing to where we believe in compartmentalization in the church that this is my church life, but this is my home life, but this is my work life, and this is my fun life. That wherever we live in any compartment, that's where we are. But the Apostle Paul said, I pray that God sanctifies every part of your life, that God will sanctify your church life, and God will sanctify your home life, and God will sanctify your work life, and God will sanctify your fun life, because we are walking, we are walking billboards for the glory of God, the majesty of God, the grace of God, the love of God, and the holiness of God. That whatever we do God a disservice, 
whenever we reject holiness, when we reject the purity and the godliness and the blamelessness that God has called us to live by. And Paul said that I pray that God will sanctify every aspect of your life. And then when God said, I pray that God will sanctify your spirit. Your spirit is that, that word literally means breath or wind. It means uh, your heart. It just simply means everything that's inside of you. That God will sanctify the stuff inside of you. You know what's inside of you? Stuff you can't see. You can't see what I'm thinking right now. You can't see my attitude unless I display it. I may have a dirty one inside. You can't see what's inside of me, but God can. And God said, Steve Hobbs, I want to sanctify your inside. I want you to live right where people can see it on the outside, but it begins by sanctifying your inside. You all do know, right, that if your heart is right, that everything else will flow and get right, right? I mean, you understand that. That God says, if I've got you inside, you're going to show it on your outside. There ain't no such thing as being saved on the inside and living like the devil on the outside. That ain't the word of God, and it'll work like that. Somebody give me a good amen. See, I know that uh, when you read about the Nicolaitans in the book of Revelation, that was a sect, a broken sect off of Christianity led by a heretic whose name was Nicholas. And he taught in a nutshell that you were saved on the inside, but it didn't affect how you lived. You could be saved on the inside and get drunk, get saved on the inside and commit adultery, get saved on the inside and cuss your neighbor out. You get the point. But that ain't word of God. Because when God saves you, you're saved inside and outside. When you're saved, your spirit is born again and saved and regenerated and your flesh will follow along because God said, when he come along, he said, I want to make sure, Paul said, I pray that you are sanctified completely in your life. That everything about you follows the path of biblical sanctification. Paul said your soul, that is your, uh, very close to the word spirit, but that is the seed of our emotional life. So Paul said, I want God, I pray that God will sanctify you in totality. I pray that God will sanctify your heart and your inside, and I pray that God will sanctify your emotions. And if you are a sport fan, there are many days we need our emotions sanctified. And I'll just leave it at that. Last night I needed my emotions sanctified. I'll leave it there. Then he said, he said, your body. Your body, Paul said, I want to sanctify it. No, Paul said, I pray that God sanctify it. I'm sorry. Paul said, I pray that God will sanctify your body. Now, that takes care of everything you want to do in your body. That takes care of the drunkenness, the drug use, the carousing, the cussing, the stealing, the lying. That takes care of all that stuff. See, everything that you, that you want to do in your body, that is contrary to what the Word of God says. Paul said God wants to sanctify that. God wants to sanctify that so that whenever your body walks down the halls of school, you students, you students can be sanctified. You know that, right? And that, that when you walk down the halls of school, that the sanctified spirit of the Lord will follow you down the hall of that school so that your body is not caught up in everything else that's going on around you. 
And the same at work, that when you go into the break room and you got the tables over there where they're sitting around telling their dirty jokes and they're, and they're talking uh, everything but the kingdom of God, everything but the goodness of God, that you don't allow your body to join into the mess because God has sanctified you. And you say, well, brother, how did you make it sound like that God wants to be some kind of oddball different? Take it up with him. <laughs> you are going to be different. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that you will be a peculiar person. You know what it says? That you can't be different from the world and not show, show uh, up like you're different from the world. I want to tell you, saints of God, that if you've been to the cross, if you've been to the altar, if you've given your life to Christ, he saved your soul and sanctified your life and you're walking in the holiness of God, you will be different because that's the will of God for your life. It's just the way it is. And, and, and I'm all right. We sh must be all right with that because that is the plan and that is the will of God. On, in, on verse 3, the writer tells us to literally reject sin. He, said, you he says, Thou also, they also do no iniquity. They walk. Walk means how, your lifestyle. You reject sin. You reject iniquity and your lifestyle is the ways of God. You reject sin and your lifestyles are the ways of God. When the Bible says we're to abstain from all appearance of evil, I just looked just quickly. I'm not developing this, but I look quickly at what, everything the New Testament tells us to flee from. The New Testament tells us to flee from fornication to flee from idolatry, to flee from youthful lust, and that if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us. So flee means to run away from. Joseph ran out of the coat, ran out, ran out of his coat when an adulterous woman grabbed him. Well, Brother Hobbs couldn't help myself. Sure he can. Sure I can. I got everything to do with what my sanctified body does. Come on now, somebody. She may grab me by the coat, but I don't have to stay in my coat. I can leave my coat behind. I don't care if it, my daddy did buy it for me. I don't care if it was my favorite coat. I don't care if I look great in my coat. I want to tell you, my reputation, my heart, and my walk with God is more important to me than any stinking coat. And Joseph understood that. I want to tell you, uh, men and women, and I want to tell you, boys and girls, I want to tell you, sometimes you just got to run away from what the devil trapped that he's laid for you. And you got to get out of the way because uh, the ends are the ends of death. And I, I tell you, if you want to please God, you're going to do the right thing. Somebody give me a real big amen. Man, well, yeah, I tell you, if, you, if you're going to do right, then we, verse 4, you got to keep the truth of God. As Paul said to Titus, Tom, would you come up, please? We got to hold fast the faithful word. Hold fast the faithful word that we're able and by sound doctrine to exhort and convince gainsayers. Verse 5, we're led by God. For the Bible says that if we're led by God, we are the sons of God. And Jesus said, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide us to all truth. And then I want to get in with verse 8. This is what I simply have called the cause and the effect. Verse 8 says, 
I will keep thy statutes. That's just another word for law. I will keep thy statutes. Oversake me not utterly. Here's the cause and effect. The cause is we will keep the law of God. It's not a question. It's not an option. You are called to be a sanctified believer that will keep the law of God. Obedience to God is not works. For Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, having therefore these precious, these promises, he said we cleanse ourselves. Would you say that? Would you just say cleanse myself? That means that's your job. God ain't going to come down and slap a beer out of your hand. He ain't going to come down and turn off your television. That's up to you. God ain't going to tell, God ain't going to hold your lips tight when somebody asks you to go somewhere you shouldn't go. That's up to you to say no. That's your call. That's your call. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's where I thought I would go when I thought I was going to preach this. I thought that would be my text. That you see there the, the challenge against compartmentalization from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. There's no separation there. So compartmentalization is rejected and we are perfecting this holiness walk. We are being sanctified in this holiness walk. Sanctified is both instantaneous and progressive. It is both. It is instant legally that you are get to a place in your relationship with God when you're saved. God does a sanctifying work and God does the work of sanctification. But then also we die daily, Paul said. And we walk this walk. And we develop our walk. And our walk becomes even more sanctified because we're perfecting it. So that's what perfecting is. It's progressive. So we're sanctified legally and practically as well. The Bible says that our job is to do what? To come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And God said, I will receive you. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. You got to do the coming out. You got to make the choice to do something different. When I was an 18-year-old kid right out of high school in 1972, and I visited the Highland Park in Louisville Church of God of Prophecy in revival, and I listened to a red-hot Pentecostal preacher preach, and the spirit of conviction got on my heart 
and the altar call was given, I had to come out and I walked out. You don't have to walk an aisle to get saved. And I won't get into all that right now. You can get saved right now, right where you sit. You get saved in your car. You get saved at all. It don't, that don't matter. That is not, it, that doesn't matter. But churches still give altar calls to give people an opportunity to come out and to be separate, saith the Lord. And I came out and I walked the aisle and I knelt at an altar, confessed my sin, repented of my sin, and was gloriously born again. I came out. I remember that I rededicated my life when I was 21. And I remember sitting in a church service like you're sitting here today. And I was on the very back row. And when I remember that I knelt, I didn't walk an aisle to rededicate my life, but I knelt on my knees on the very back pew of that church. That was the home church, the church I was raised in as a kid. And I rededicated my life on that back row and, and on, that, on that pew. And I remember I got off my knees and I sat back on the pew and I buried my face in my hands and I just sat there. You know what I was thinking about? I wasn't rejoicing. I was thinking. Two names came to mind. One was Bill one was Ron. Bill and Ron were my best friends. Bill, Ron, and I graduated together. Bill, Ron, and I ran around together. Bill, Ron, and I were together every day. And I knew one of them would call me on Monday and wouldn't know if I wanted to go out. I knew that. And I was thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Sure enough, it happened. Monday evening came, phone rang. It was Bill. Called me Hobbsy. You can call me that if you want to. And he said, hey, Hobbsy, what you doing? I said, nothing, man, what you doing? He said, nothing. Real sterling conversation, right? Then he said, well, I thought I'd come out come get you and we'd, we'd go out for a while that, that, as I said every night and I said okay that sounds good I said but Bill before you come I gotta tell you something I said what's that man I said I got saved rededicated my life last night at church pause he knew nothing about that he really didn't he was raised a Catholic but didn't know anything about the things of God but he knew it was spiritual. And so he was quiet for just a bit. Then he said, well, okay. He said, I, he said, I'll be right out. No, he said, he said, I've been thinking about getting into the piano myself. I said, good. Play the piano, bro. Well, that's good. He didn't have a clue. That's all right. But sure enough, he came and got me and we rode around for a while and a short while and he Brought me back home, never went out again. I don't think I ever seen him again. I heard that there were friends of ours. We would go, a lot of times we'd go to the baseball field. 
watch, you know, with four or five baseball fields and kids would hang out there and just hang out. And I, and I was told that I was the butt of jokes. Oh, Hobbsy got religion. Hobbsy's a holy roller. Hobbsy's this, Hobbsy's that. And I remember, I don't think I ever got angry. I just, in my immature self, I still knew they didn't understand. But my point is, I had to come out. I could have buckled under the pressure, but I had to come out. I could have said, no, I can't do this. I miss my friends too much, but I had to come out. I had to make a decision. Now I know this verse is in the Bible. I didn't know it before. Choose you this day who you will serve. I didn't know that was in the Bible, but I do now. And I know that's what I did. I chose who I would serve. I had to come out. I came out from among them. And I was separate. I sat at home on Friday nights watching TV with my mom and dad. That was embarrassing, but that's what I did. Love my mom and dad, but 18 years old, home watching TV with mom and dad, that wasn't cool. But that's what I did. I didn't have any, I had no friend, none, zero. Nothing to do. Wasn't dating anybody, nothing. Bored and embarrassed. But I had to come out because God had been too good to save me in my sin. And I came out. But I tell you, I stand before you today. Got a beautiful wife, got beautiful kids, got beautiful grandkids, got a beautiful congregation. My life turned out pretty good. Hallelujah to God. I want to tell you something. When you come out and make a decision to serve the Lord and walk in sanctified living, you'll never be sorry you did. It may look, you, your life may look like mine for a while back then. But I hope it turns out as good as mine because I want to tell you, God will never, never, never let you down. Hallelujah to God. Somebody help me praise him right now, will you? What a God, what a God we serve. In the name of Jesus, Father God, I pray for my church right now. I pray that if there is someone here today who is unsaved, save them. If they're backslidden, may they rededicate their life to you as I did. I pray that, Father God, that you will encourage believers right now and help all of us to see the value and the importance of walking in the power of sanctified living in these last days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand?